0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian and I am going to be sharing with you a little bit of part two of my story of my relationship with food and my body and how I got to where I am today. As I mentioned at the beginning of the last episode, if you are curious about coaching, you have any questions about what you heard, or if you just like to learn a little bit more about my programs or read any client testimonials, You can do that at bitesize.es. You're also welcome to reach out to me on Instagram or via email. And all of that is linked in the show notes. Dig in to the sort of second half of how I've gotten to sort of the more balanced relationship with food in my body that I have today, even though it has been a rocky road, my friends a rocky road. So last week you heard a little bit about my childhood and some of the experiences that I had in childhood that sort of formed the way that I felt about my body. And we ended talking a little bit about, you know, why I went gluten-free and why that potentially wasn't the quote-unquote solution that I thought it was and talking about um the beginning of my travel. So in 2013, I quit my job in sales and I went traveling for a few months. And to be completely honest, I don't remember much about my relationship with food there. I think I definitely remember being very strict as far as gluten-free was concerned because I was still very convinced that I had a gluten intolerance. And I remember being very, very upset once they gave me gluten on a trip in Ecuador somewhere. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna die. Nothing bad happened because just to be very clear, I am not celiac. I do not have a gluten allergy. I was under the belief that I was gluten intolerant for a while. Turns out I am not. Um, I may have had some issue with it in the past. I do not have issues with gluten now. I eat gluten when I feel like it. It is delicious. And I move on with my life. Anyways, so I ended up living by accident in Spain (laughs) in 2014. I sort of came here thinking, oh, I will hang out a couple of months. And it has been a very long time. And that is where Bite sized Nutrition came to be. But part of the reason I stayed was because when I got to Spain, I decided I need to make friends. I need to find a community. And so I had been a sort of part-time CrossFitter when I lived in San Diego. I didn't do that when I lived in San Francisco, because in San Francisco, everything is expensive. And a CrossFit membership in San Francisco is insanely expensive. It's something like three. It was Back in 2013, it was like $300 a month. Let that sink in. That's like, if you're listening to this and you're in New York and you're like, I don't know what that is. It's like 240 euros a month for two days a week of CrossFit training. That's expensive. So I did not do CrossFit in San Francisco, but when I got to Spain, I knew that that was a way that I could find a community that spoke English and people that were into fitness and liked exercising. And so I was like, cool, I'm going to go check it out. And I joined a gym and met some really great people, some people that liked doing the things that I did. I met two of my best friends, um, both of which I'm you know still I'm friends with to this day. And it was a really great way for me to build a community and enjoy exercising. but, it was also the start of a really toxic time for me when it comes to food in my body. And so I, I growing up, I mentioned this in the last podcast. I always sort of had this belief that I was weird. People didn't like me. I was unattractive, blah, blah blah. So I really wanted to fit in. Like really, really, really wanted to fit in. And so I had taken a crossfit weightlifting class at the CrossFit gym that I was at in Spain, and the the coach said, Hey, I'd like to have you come try to lift with me to be a part of our, um, to be a part of our weightlifting team. And for me, that was you like, as someone that was never, I remember I tried out once for a basketball team in in like middle school, and I didn't even, I mean, they basically laughed at me. It was sad. And so for someone that has never, ever been invited to be part of a team ever, that to me was, oh my gosh, it was, it felt so good. And so in my mind, I was like, hell yes, I'm doing this weightlifting thing. And to be fair, I was never a great weightlifter, but I loved the idea of being a part of a team. And so I I remember talking to the coach, and this is like nothing, he had no idea. And this is the way, if you're not familiar with Olympic weightlifting, it is, so it's, you do two lifts, the clean and jerk and the snatch, and you compete with others based on your body weight. And so at the time they've since changed the categories, but at the time the body weight categories were, I think 48, you know, 48 kilos and below 55 kilos and below, and then I think 60 kilos and below something like that. It's since changed. I don't know what it is now. I think the, I think the weight classes are slightly smaller. And so at the time I was in one weight class. And the coach had said, Hey, I'd like you to compete in a lower weight class. So you need to lose weight. And that for me, I didn't, I had never really delved into very specific weight loss. When I had lost weight in the past, it was as a result of focusing on better eating habits. It was as a result of exercising a little bit more. And so I had never really specifically gone into, I need to eat less in order for my body to look this way. And so I was introduced to macro tracking at this point. And for me, the idea that I could eat whatever I wanted, as long as it was within this calorie limit was fascinating to me. And it became almost like a game, but a game that turned into an an obsession. And part of that was one of my closest friends at the time was really deep into the bodybuilding world. And if you know anything about bodybuilding, you know that it is very, it can be a very, 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 very disordered um, experience and, and promotes disordered eating, promotes body dysmorphia. It is in no way helpful for your relationship with food or your body. And she was very deep into this at that point and was very well versed in how to control your body weight using food and using exercise. And so I started to delve into that. And even though, and this is understanding that you can know about, like, I knew I was educated in nutrition. I had done a health coaching certification. I had spent years reading about nutrition. I knew what constituted healthy meals, but I had never really delved into what does it look like to count calories? What does it look like to actually pay attention to how much protein, how much fat, how many carbs I ate? Up until that point, I had been eating semi-intuitively in the sense that, hey, I know what a balanced plate looks like, but you know, I might eat more of this or less of this depending on how I feel. And so this Macro tracking for me was both a very helpful tool to reach the goal of a certain weight for competing in a weight class, and also a very dangerous, slippery slope into becoming very obsessed with my body and very obsessed with the numbers. And so, my initial goal of of making it into my weight class for um, my weight class for weightlifting, I made that goal, and I remember the night before my weigh in. I remember sitting in a hot bath, trying to get myself to sweat. I remember freaking out and not eating the day of the event, worried that I wasn't going to make weight. And then I made weight and I sort of decided in my head that I was going to stay at that weight. And just to be clear, what many weightlifters do is they will, they will train at a higher weight than their weight class. And then they will cut a couple of kilos to hit their weight class before a competition. But I decided that I liked how my body looked at that weight. And so I was going to stay with it. So that meant that I stayed in a calorie deficit for a very, very long time. And I started to learn how to manipulate my macros to see faster weight loss, to see changes in my body, to, you know, I learned how to include more higher volume food. So I didn't feel as hungry, but I also developed really, really unhealthy behaviors and thoughts around what types and how much and when I could eat certain foods. And so I remember, for example, after my first weightlifting competition, I remember on my way home, I stopped and bought an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's. And in my head, I thought I can eat this whole pint of Ben and Jerry's because this is a reward for having hit weight and having finished my competition. And that mindset, I was stuck in that mindset for probably about two and a half years. And it was... For me, it was a really, it was a period of time in which I started, I noticed that I gained confidence because I felt like I was getting more positive reinforcement for my body. So it actually just reinforced this negative thought pattern of, well, if I continue to have abs and, you know, continue to look this way, then people will continue to give me positive reinforcement. So that means that my worth is higher. And so my worth was completely contingent on what my body looked like. My confidence was completely contingent on what my body looked like. And that is a really terrible place to be. And, and while, you know, many people would see me, they're like, oh, Jillian's so confident. Like she looks so great. I want to have a body like hers. And a lot of, a lot of people would say that to me. They're like, wow, I want your abs. You look so great, et cetera, et cetera. And while that felt really good, it was actually just feeding this, this, this false confidence inside of me. Because if for some reason, if at that point I had, you know, broken my leg and not been able to work out and, you know, that would have been, I would have completely lost all of my self-confidence. And I remember being in situations in which I just felt so under the spotlight for what my body looked like and it was it was just honestly looking back on it I had no confidence in myself as a person I was very much like closed off people now that I'm very close with are like I met you and I thought that you were a bitch I thought that you were super standoffish blah 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 and for me I, I had it in my head well like These people are going to value me because my body looks good. Because if we remember from part one, a big part of my insecurities were based on the way that I looked. And at this point, so I got down to a pretty low, I'm not going to, I'm not saying numbers here, like, because I don't know, I don't want to trigger anyone in any way. Um, as far as like hearing numbers of like how many calories I ate or how much I trained or, you know, what my body weight was, I don't want to talk. I don't want to touch on that, but I had a very low body fat percentage for a female. And in my head, I was very proud of that because that showed my discipline that showed how good I was, you know, that showed I was really an athlete. And at that point, I was also stepping on the scale four times a day. Sometimes I would step on the scale before I ate breakfast and then after I ate breakfast and then after I worked out, which just so you know, if you are using the scale to track progress in any way, those fluctuations that you see on the scale over the course of a day or even from day to day are not actually changes in your body fat. It is actually impossible to gain or lose body fat over the course of a day. That is something that happens over the course of time. It it, essentially, if I would weigh myself before breakfast and weigh myself after breakfast, all I was finding out was how much my breakfast weighed, literally just what that food volume was. I remember weighing myself before a poop and after a poop, really just insane things. And now, I mean, I haven't weighed myself in two and a half years. And honestly, I know I weigh more than I used to, but like, I don't. I don't really care what the number says because it doesn't matter. It doesn't actually matter. And so when I was at this point, I just felt this intense pressure to look a certain way. And that if I didn't look that way, I, you know, all of a sudden everything was going to fall apart. And I got so much validation from others about my body that who I was as a person didn't seem that important. And actually who I was as a person was like, I was so obsessed with food. It was all I thought about. Literally everyone I knew, knew how strict I was with food. So friends would be like, hey, you know, oh, I'll invite you over for dinner. It's okay if you don't eat. I know this doesn't fit into your diet. Because in my head, I was like, well, if I can't track it, then I shouldn't eat it. Or, you know, I would go, I remember going to barbecues. And if I had decided, decided in my head that I wasn't going to track, then what ended up happening was I would just completely overeat, like to the point where I would get home and feel sick. And so it was a really, 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 really disordered relationship with food. I wasn't eating fruit at a certain point because I was scared of the sugar in fruit, but I was at the same time consuming copious amounts of like, of, of chemical sugar, like not chemical sugar, like uh, fake sugar. So things like aspartame, sucralose, sorbitol, maltitol, all of those things were huge components of my diet which probably contributed to pretty crappy digestion. I remember sometimes I would like have such smelly farts and be so bloated that I didn't wanna hang out with people because I was scared of having to fart around them and like potentially killing them. And that probably was due to the copious amounts of fake sugars that I had in my diet. And I remember having, I remember getting to a point where I was, all of a sudden I was just like, I'm not like, I won't eat an apple. What is wrong with me? Like I will eat half a bar of quote unquote sugar-free chocolate, but I won't eat an apple. What is wrong with me? Like, that's insane. And, and at this, this point, I also, I lost my period. I realized at one point that I was like, I haven't had a period in months. And then it was, I haven't had a period in years. And then it was, I haven't had a period in two years. And we talk about this more on uh, an episode of the BUL Cartel, where we talk about Holly, Olivia, and I all went through hypothalamic amenorrhea. Our stories are all a little bit different. So I'm not going to go into that too much here because we have an entire podcast on that. But at sort of the point where I realized that my period was gone and that might be a problem, I was exercising way too much, sometimes twice a day. I would feel so exhausted after my workouts. I was definitely under eating, even though in my head, I was quote unquote, eating so much food, but I was not eating enough food to support my activity levels. I was, as I said, scared of fruit. I was also intermittent fasting, which for an active female is not a great idea. And I was so strict about it. I would you know, I wasn't allowed, quote unquote, allowed to eat breakfast before 11. And then I tried to finish eating by seven every day. So I was doing like 16 hours of intermittent fasting And then I remember, you know, being so incredibly strict that even if I was super hungry, I would like check the clock and make myself wait. And interestingly, and this is something I see with clients all the time is what would happen is I would never really feel full. I would eat so much food and still want to keep eating because I ignored my hunger so much. And so it was a pretty, pretty bad time for me. I may have quote unquote looked fantastic but there was a lot of like shit in my head that was not good and i i mean things you know i felt cold all the time i had no sex drive i would wake up in the middle of the night hungry all the time really not good things and this is from someone that at this point i had already done two other nutrition certifications i had done a sports nutrition certification and i had done precision nutrition certification and so i had the knowledge this is not about not having the knowledge this is about, you know, we do things because of emotion. And for me, my, my, I was telling myself that I needed to look like this. I needed to train like this. I needed to be like this in order to be valuable, which is not true. Very much so not true. The pandemic was really good for me. In the pandemic, going back to that. So in the pandemic, we here in Spain, we had a full lockdown, like as in we were not allowed to leave our houses unless it was to go to the grocery store for, I think it was eight weeks something like that, six to eight weeks. And so for me, that was actually really helpful. I stopped using my fitness pal to track my food as much, partly because in my head, I was like, I know what to eat, but it was also really good for me because I was training less. I was still very, I kept a very strict schedule of like when I was exercising, but it was less exercise intensity on my body, which I think was really good. And And I also, you know, I had already started experimenting with mindful eating skills as I was tracking macros, but that was when I really started to double down on these mindful eating skills. And that was paying attention to hunger because we all know that being at home all the time, it kind of sometimes feels like the fridge is calling to us. So I got really, really in touch with what hunger felt like and what satisfaction felt like instead of just eating because I was home and I didn't have anything else to do. I started really focusing on eating slower, putting my knife and fork down between bites and really letting my meals be an experience because in the pandemic, in quarantine, like we had a ton of time. So I might as well let myself do that. And that for me was really, really mind blowing because as someone that for so many years claimed, oh my gosh, I love food. I was, I was not experiencing it. I was, I would love, I loved the thought of food and I loved the thought of controlling my food, but I didn't actually love the experience of like truly enjoying food. I used to be the person that would sit down at a meal with people and I would be literally, I would finish and I would literally be looking at their plates thinking, I wonder if they'll let me eat that. Like, I wonder if they're going to finish that. And working on mindful eating habits slowly and progressively was really helpful for me. It was really, really helpful for me to start understanding what my relationship with food really was and, and letting myself make mindful decisions about what and how I ate. And at that point, yeah, I was still pretty scared on what was going to happen to my body, but I started to trust myself because I saw that my body really didn't change much. And at the beginning of the pandemic was also when I realized that I need to get my period back for my health. I need to have a menstrual cycle. Otherwise, there are bad things that are going to happen to me. And you'll hear, if you listen to the to the hypothalamic amenorrhea episode of the Be Well Cartel, you will hear a little bit more about why having a period is so necessary. But I also at that point had to start doubling down on building up a better body image that was not contingent on how ripped my abs looked because that was not making me happy. And that was not, it was not good for my relationships with myself or with other people. Because if I was so obsessed about what I looked like when I hung out with people, I wasn't showing up with them fully. I wasn't connecting with them fully. And that wasn't fair to the people in my life. And it wasn't fair for me because it made me feel really lonely. And so setting values and understanding what my values were was so important for me. And that is why I work on this with my clients because it can feel so comforting to have this understanding of these are the things that are important to me. And I want to live in a way that aligns with these values. I also started doing new activities. So, getting back into reading a lot more. Uh, I started moving in ways that weren't only contingent on having my body look a certain way. I started intentionally checking my body less. I remember at one point when I lived in an apartment with an elevator, every single time I went down in the elevator by myself, I would do an ab check. Every single time. That's like five times a day. It was ridiculous. And now I will notice that when I look in the mirror, it's not a check to see what my body looks like. It's more of an appreciation. And so I remember after my, I was like early thirties, now mid thirties. Oof, I remember intentionally deciding when I look in the mirror, I am no longer going to pick myself apart what I am going to do is I'm going to compliment myself. And it would start out with things of like, "Wow, oh, I'm having a really good hair day or, "Ooh, your skin looks good. And it started to move on to things like, wow, I love like the curve of your shoulder or, "Ooh, my boobs look good today. Or, you know, Ooh, my butt is awesome. And it's expanded. It started very, very small and it expanded. I also I had to really double down on mindful eating and self-check-ins. I am so big on this when I talk to clients because I'm someone that's go, go, go. I mentioned I I am on the ADHD spectrum. I'm not sure where I fall on that spectrum, but I'm very go, go, go. I often make very impulsive decisions without really thinking about it. And so starting to work on my self-check-in and really asking myself, what is it that I need right now? How do I feel? What am I thinking? how hungry am I? Like before a meal, all of those check-ins really helped me build a better relationship with myself. And I got to tell you that one thing that I even have this sort of behind my computer on my wall is knowing that my body is the least interesting thing about me. That for me has been life-changing, knowing that my body is the least interesting thing about me. and. And so as I went through this process, I really, I fully gave up macros and really just trust myself. My goal is right now when I eat, I try to eat balanced meals as often as I can. And for me, that looks like a protein, a carb, a fat, and a veggie at most meals. Occasionally that doesn't happen. I had pizza for dinner the other night. Didn't happen. That's okay. But most of my meals do have that. And even if I'm going out to eat, I will often ask like hey can we order a salad for the table or like make sure that I'm ordering a protein because I like eating that way because that makes me feel good when I eat that way not in a strict way but it, I'm flexible with it but understanding that in general that's the way that I like to eat and it promotes me feeling good it promotes I you know I do still care about what my body looks like and I know that if I you know decided I'm not going to eat balanced meals I know that that would change my body and I wouldn't like that but I'm not scared of it anymore And I know that my body will fluctuate. I know that the way that I see my body will fluctuate. And that is normal. It is normal to be slimmer at certain times of the year and less slim at certain times of the year, just based on your activity levels, your hunger levels, what's going on in your life, what foods you have available, who you're hanging out with, all of these things. And as I've gotten here, you know, I started coaching in 2016. And my coaching has shifted so, 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 so much since I started coaching. I used to be so calculated with the, you know, with how I taught my clients how to change their eating. And, you know, I very much kept in mind this do no harm, but I was, I believed, you know, hey, like let's track mac- your macros, you know, didn't necessarily think about what are we thinking about food or how do we change our environment? It was more of like, here, like, this is what you need to do. Like, how do we get you to do that? And now, you know, I have a lot more education in psychology. I have a lot more education in motivational interviewing, a lot more education in like how to put context to what nutrition information actually is in the context of someone's life. And also I'm much less dogmatic. I, I personally have a candy drawer. I've told, I've talked about this before. Like I have a drawer that has like two or three different types of candy in it at all times. Some days I eat some of it, a lot of days I don't just because. I don't want to, and so as I've become more flexible with myself, and really fully started practicing full permission to eat with myself, you know, I've read books like Intuitive Eating, Body Kindness, uh, Health at Every Size. I've read tons of books on mindset and and how all of these change, and taken a little bit from each one. And I got to tell you, you know, I want to wrap this up. I got to tell you the the difficult thoughts about my body and feeling inadequate, feeling unworthy, feeling ugly or not pretty enough or whatever that is, those thoughts still come up. I'm not going to lie to you. I still don't. I don't look at myself in the mirror every day. I'm like, oh, you are a babe. No. But I know, one, that my emotions play a big part in how I see myself. I know, two, my worth is not dependent on what I look like. I know, three, the people that care about me and that I care about don't actually give a shit if I have a good hair day or if my butt looks big or if, you know, I don't have as cut of abs as I used to, like they don't actually care. And in fact, my relationships have improved so much because I'm no longer so strict about what I eat. And as I said, I still do pay attention. Like, I think a lot of people think that, you know, I'm either on a diet or I don't give a shit about what I eat or I'm tracking macros or I'm just like all over the place with my nutrition and. It's not like that. You can pay attention to your nutrition. You can pay attention to your exercise. You can you can still want to look a certain way as long. I mean, a little bit of flexibility is nice. You can still want to change your body or lose weight or gain muscle and not be incredibly hyper-focused on it and believe that the world will end if that does not happen. You can do your life and still put a little bit of effort into your nutrition, put effort into what you look like. Those things are okay. Don't let anyone tell you that those things are not okay. But also understand that no one is going to love you more because you lost those last five pounds. No one's going to be better friends with you because you have, you know, a lower body fat percentage. Like no one, and and if they do, because I'm sure there are people out there like that, like if they do, you don't want those people in your life. And if you have those people in your life, like this is where I say that my superpower is creating boundaries. And I'm really good at helping my clients do this too. Create boundaries around what you're willing to talk about with those people. Create boundaries on how much time you're willing to spend with those people. Because people that make you feel shitty about yourself because of how you eat, or because of what you look like, a lot of that is coming from their insecurity So people, you know, that would be like, oh, you're a nutrition coach. How can you eat that? Like if I eat a cookie or whatever that is, that's coming from either their lack of education or their personal fear. So that is my story, my friends. I will, I'm happy to take any questions about this. I I understand that this can be really hard for people. It can be really hard to let go of strict beliefs about bodies or food or whatever that is, can be hard to learn how to trust yourself. I know because it was hard for me and I've actually linked. So I've linked in, well, I've linked in the show notes to join my weekly emails in my weekly emails. We talk about all of this stuff and in my weekly emails, you'll also get a, you'll get free downloads. I, I do put together cheat sheets. I put together templates, all kinds of stuff. And so I put together a mindful eating cheat sheet, just has a little bit of like, hey, if you'd like to try mindful eating, do a little bit more of this, maybe do a little bit less of this, some things to kind of help you get started. I'm happy, as I said, happy to answer any questions. Make sure you're on that newsletter email list. Um, That is a great place to get a lot of cool free education and also continue talking about these topics. So if you have enjoyed this podcast, one, I'd love to hear about it. So let me know. Two, Go ahead and give it a share with someone, you know, on your social media, whatever that is, leave me a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you for being here and for listening and for sharing. And yeah, I might have a vulnerability hangover after this. Not really sure, but um, thank you for being here and for listening and I will see you again next time.